Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and ghouls, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always a price. Welcome to the greatest of And welcome back to the greatest show on earth that is Talking Terror. As always, I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G. Welcome you back to this episode of the show, where tonight we're going to be talking about the Demonic Dean's film pick of the week, Suitable Flesh, from 2023, directed by Joe Lynch. Now, I should say this at the start, uh, the start of the show. Uh, there is a storm rolling through California at the moment, so... We may or may not be joined by the Demonic Dean because of power issues, so hopefully he'll be able to join us, but we're going to fucking carry on, as it were, because as always, I'm joined by the bold and the beautiful, the Go Geek Keith. It's all about the Suitable Flash, brah, the Suitable Flash, and the Suitable Flash, I love the Suitable Flash, brah. What is happening, everybody? Welcome to yet another episode of Talking Terror. Yes, indeed, like uh, like the king said, uh, has given the information already. A storm happens to be passing through the area of uh, the Dean's residence, and it is knocking out power, which throws off their Wi-Fi, and they use some kind of, like, enhancer thing or whatever it is, and it just fucks with everything, and it's not good enough for them to be able to boot up or him to boot up. I mean, you know, I don't know what his pronouns are, but I'm pretty sure it's not them. Uh, but uh, this way he can uh, get on. So, yes, hopefully his, uh, his shit gets restored and he gets on before the end of the show, maybe by at least uh, the time to talk about his movie pick of the week, Suitable Flash, brah. Um, and, uh, and, yeah, but, but aside from that, aside from that, welcome Talking terror. Did I already say that? I might have already said that. I don't know. I'm feeling kind of, kind of, you know, I don't know. Hyper tonight, man. The suitable flash got me going. That is fucking so sweet, brah. So we we are just flying by the seat of our pants right now. Dean is updating us the best that he can uh, about the power. It came back on. Uh, Internet's trying to load, uh, so it's going to be momentarily. Um, Internet's trying to load, so... You know, he's got all that shit going on. But as you know, you know, we did have a pay-per-view on Saturday. The Royal Rumble, the road to WrestleMania has fucking begun. So we could definitely talk about that until the Dean shows up and tells us to shut the fuck up about it. Um, but with that being said, what did you think about the Royal Rumble? Cool. Uh, I mean, all right, if I'm going to be perfectly honest, you know, the, the Royal Rumble is probably, you know, my favorite you know, pay-per-view, you know, or whatever they call them now, premium live events, the PLEs. PLEs. Um, you know, I, I love the Royal Rumble. I like the fun of it, you know, and I know for the most part we we know who's going to win, but, like, it's just always a blast to see what kind of surprises, you know, who comes out that we haven't seen in forever, you know? And we know that, you know, this person who, who randomly just comes out is somebody they hired for the night, you know, just to, just to get some pop going. You know, maybe they're, like, local to whatever city they're in. Um, but it's all part of the enjoyment that is the Royal Rumble. 
And obviously the other thing for the Royal Rumble is it is the, the, the very start, the very first brick on the road to WrestleMania. You know, the penultimate, the, the, the pinnacle of what the WWE gets to every single year. Storylines get resolved. New stories maybe start to get like a little bit of a beginning push. You know, people get enhanced. They, they move on to whatever the next part of, like, whatever their, their, their latest thing is going to be. You know, fucking history is made. Stories are fucking told. You know, the, the greatest fucking moments occur at WrestleMania, but the Royal Rumble is what starts all of that. This year's Royal Rumble, for, you know, lack of any kind of other way to explain it, was kind of a letdown, man. It was kind of a mm-hmm. bummer. The, the, the matches yeah. overall including the two Rumble matches, were not all that great. You know, the, the women's Rumble, I thought, was much better than the men's. At least it had a couple of surprises in it. You know, the oh, yeah. men's Rumble had fucking bupkis. <laughs> you know, the only big <laughs> surprise I heard is that, uh, I guess, Braun Breaker, apparently that was supposed to be Brock Lesnar. But, like, something yes, didn't was. go through. So everything that Braun Breaker did during his part in that match was all supposed to be what Brock Lesnar did, um, which wasn't much because ultimately he gets eliminated too. Um, so, you know, it's uh, it's kind of a letdown, kind of a bummer, you know, and I know coming out of it as well, CM Punk gets injured, you know, so, so now that takes, you know, a possible match that was building, you know, an actual storyline you know, with Seth Rollins in him and kind of throws that in the trash because he's not going to be ready in time for Mania. Um, so now, you know, they have to rewrite and figure out what they're going to do, which, I mean, I think we've been, you know, talking about forever is they, they just really need to bring in The Rock, let him take Roman Reigns' belt, put that belt out to the wind, let's get some new blood, you know, holding that belt, which I'm sure what they'll just do is give it to fucking Brock Lesnar again. Um, and, uh and yeah, and that's that, you know. And I guess they're gonna start doing the uh, the build up for uh, for 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 Cody Rhodes to, to finish his story by beating another <laughs> champion instead of the other champion, which makes no sense. So realistically speaking, no. I don't see them not putting him up against Roman Reigns. If he's gonna finish his story, his story has to be finished against the guy he couldn't beat last year. It makes zero sense for him to come up against Seth Rollins now. So hold on, oh. in the tournament, was it him versus Seth Rollins in the finals for that belt? Yes. Okay, mm-hmm. so no matter so no matter what, you kind of got like a fucking, oh, all right, so it's already built in. Yeah, I don't know, man, whatever. <clears throat> yeah, it was Power grid was shut off by dickless here. They caused an explosion. Is this true? Yes, it's true. This man has no dick. He doesn't. <laughs> but, no dick. Yeah, very the, true. At least the women's Royal, uh, Royal Rumble match was kind of fun, um, having some surprise uh, entrants like Jordan Grace uh, and Naomi, uh, Monkey's Girl coming back, you know, and, and to be in it. Um, I did call it for Bailey, and she did win. Um, yeah, and the men's Royal Rumble match was so disappointing because the only kind of new entrant you had was Andrade Aldolo. Um, who had, had been with the company prior, and he showed up. And, yeah, the Braun Breaker entrant, knowing that that was supposed to be Brock Lesnar, but then you find out about everything that happened with Vince McMahon, um, dirty little old man that he is, <laughs> and 
everything he is going up against right now with everything that he had to say with, with the uh, woman in question, um, it's interesting because, of course, uh, Slim Jim's was pulling out of Royal Rumble because of everything that happened. But once Vince uh, said, you know what, I'm out, they're like, oh, we'll right the fuck back in. All right, Slim Jim's is back, baby. <laughs> you know, it, it's just it's a lot of uh, behind-the-scenes shit. Um, that's it's going on right now. Um, I don't know if you've read the texts that are on Google right now that uh, Vince sent to this woman, but yeah, I was like, but you just expect that from Vince. He's just, he's that guy. He's there just is. A dirty old man. I'm going to chime in here and okay, say that there is, is a lot right. of, sh- yeah, there is a lot of shit going on behind the scenes right now because apparently uh, while playing with his Bob Backlund cock ring and Big John Stud ass rammer, <laughs> uh, Vince is also pooing on his female employees. So legitimately, there is a lot of shit going on behind the scenes these days uh, in the world of professional wrestling. There is a lot. There's a lot to take in. There's a lot to fucking digest um, when it comes to that. But yeah, so uh dean you are here how is the power situation in california you doing okay well uh well so it's doing fine as i right so our house just like the location of our house and if you like walk driveway it's pretty much fine Hmm. but inside of our house is like a signal dead zone and without uh the the extender not, that I had to argue wrong. with Verizon for ages to get, um, there is no signal inside of our home. So when we lose power, we legitimately don't have any internet. We can't get a text message to go through. Um, it's not like, oh, the power's out, but we can still be on the network, like out in the world, you know, like the, the LTE or the 5G, whatever it is. Like, we just have no signal. So that's what happened. It literally, at 551, the power went out, uh, and... That tends to happen a lot here when it rains because the, the, the power grid infrastructure is so fucking ancient and PGE does nothing but set California on fire because they don't fix anything uh, forever. Uh, so we had, we lost power like a week or so, but it was out for like four or five hours. Uh, so we were like actually like about to light some candles and just settle the fuck in. And thankfully it was just out for like 10 minutes. But that would have been, if I lived in a normal place, I would have just been able to call in from my cell phone and do the show. I can't do it with no power. We actually have um, a landline phone uh, that we have given the number to nobody. That's strictly for when the power goes out in case of emergencies. Because you know we technically do air danger area. And God forbid there was a bad fire and the power's out. Like there's no way that we would even know that there was an evacuation notice. So we have a landline for like emer- to get emergency calls. The only reason I don't even know the number by I have it in a note in my phone, but um. But yeah, so the power's on, and we're here, and, and, and Vince McMahon is a fucking... Uh, we're ready to do the show, and um, <laughs> Walter Peck. Yeah, from fucking Hollywood, California. Well, there we go. I mean, you know... Mr. Spoiler we lost, King we right lost there. The team. I, I guess that, that <laughs> signal wasn't, wasn't quite strong enough. <laughs> Wait, am I? Am yeah. I are, are you not hearing me? No, you're good. You were you're good now. Am I gone? Out, and then now you're back. But then you were gone, and then you're now you're back. Okay. 
Yeah, Mr. Okay, Spoiler good. from Hollywood, California. <laughs> Did you know that William Atherton was going to be in I'm Ghostbusters? Here. I didn't. I made it. Thank you. Uh, yes. Yes. Yeah, no, Gene, I know. Like, fucking everybody was waiting in here. suspense to determine whether or not that was going to happen. You know, yeah, it's a real spoiler. Oh, look, there's a member of the cast. What a spoiler. <laughs> it is to us. I only wanted to watch the first trailer, nothing else afterwards. I was like, I'm not getting into it. <laughs> so much I have fun. only That's seen it. I have only seen that one trailer that came out. Yeah, the me one too. that starts with the with the cruel summer song, and that's yep. it. I have not seen any other trailer. I had no intention of seeing but, any other trailer. I would like same. to go into the fucking movie. No, and I get it, Dean. Don't get me wrong. I get it. William Atherton realistically is not any big fucking part. He's just a bit character that's on the side. You know, it, it's more of like a character cameo nod to the original film. But still, it's the kind of thing that they put in trailers that kind of ruin these fucking nice surprises. This is what we complain about week in and week out about what they do with these trailers, revealing plot points or fucking characters that they shouldn't be revealing. Mud points, I get it. I never thought about I never thought of it as, oh, my God, I can't believe the trailer told us that this character was in it. And I don't know, maybe, maybe, I, maybe I'm in the minority here, but I thought that Ghostbusters Afterlife was, like, just fine. Like, it, like not, like, right. so desperate and waiting in suspense for Frozen Empire. It's not like, oh, my yeah. God, I can't wait to see this movie, and I want to know nothing about it and go in blind. Like, I'm, like, kind of looking forward to seeing it, but, like... You know, like I want that for you really fucking fucking care that you you really fucking care that you know I want that I want that for every movie. Even if it's not a movie I'm excited for, I want that feeling for every film. I go to the movie theaters for that feeling. For that excitement, for that moment, you know? So if it if that moment gets spoiled, then it's kinda like, well, that kinda sucks. And again, like I said, really not a big (laughs) deal. But but honestly, I would not have known it unless you said it. You know, or yep. if like some Never or the only other other way it happens. Some random asshole throws like a picture up on like fucking Facebook and I happen to be scrolling and it's like, Oh man, William Atherton fucking cameo, you know, fucking dip, Mayor Dick or whatever the fucking his name is. Look at him in the movie and I'm like, Man, this this is All why I avoid social media. Yeah, Walter Peck, Mayor Dick, it's all the fucking same. Lenny, the mayor from Ghostbusters? Yeah, I know. No, He wasn't you know. even the mayor. He was like from the Environmental I know. Protection Agency. He was, he was the EPA guy. EPA I know exactly guy. who he was. I know who he was. I know he wasn't the mayor. I'm <laughs> having fun with the fucking words, Dean. Okay. He's also, isn't he also one okay, of the have fucking... Have your fun, then. Isn't he, have isn't your he fun. the villain from Real Science? He's like yes, a teacher he is. or whatever. Yes, he, he is. Okay. Yes. Popcorn house yes, at the he end. He totally is. No, yeah, from uh, Real Genius, not Weird Science. Real Genius, real genius not Real Science. Real Genius, yes, thank you. Thank you for the question. Yeah, he, he was masterful <laughs> in the mid-80s mid to the early 90s. Masterful. Playing that kind of smarmy, arrogant, dickhead of a the fucking dickhead, character. Yeah. Like, he had, he had that role, like, down pat uh, through, um, like, central casting. Like, you need, like a, like, a smug asshole that just has, like, a punchable mm-hmm. face. Like, Real Genius, obviously, the fucking Die Hard movies. Um, yeah. You know, and Ghostbusters. <laughs> you know? See, now, what, like if that the, guy, uh, what if the new Die Hard was coming out, and I was like, oh, look, William Atherton's in it. Hmm? Oh. 
I could fucking stare <laughs> less. You'd be like, oh, this guy, reporter like, as I guy. Look. Oh, my God, the reporter from Go... Oh, it's a fucking spoiler. Um, uh, but, yeah, as I look, as I look at... Um, uh, at his at his filmography here, uh, you know he has been uh, steadily working in, in movies and TV uh, all through this time. Uh, not really in much of anything uh, that I have seen, uh, but he's been a steady a steady working actor. Um, oh, mm-hmm. in Biodome, that's right. He was he was the main doctor in, in Biodome. Yes, he, he was. was Biodome, um, <laughs> and uh, and yeah. So I am excited that that he'll be there, and I would not have felt uh, any different one way or another if I knew or did not know uh, coming in. Because I hear you saying, "Oh, that's what I want from every movie," but like, I don't think like a piece of casting uh, is is that big a deal. I feel differently if it was like uh, um, like Split. If people were like, "Oh, Bruce Willis is in Split." I feel like something like that, that's like a fucking surprise, right? But I just feel somebody playing a fucking character that they've played before in the series is not that big of a deal. And that's, all, just, that's my own personal opinion. Oh, no, I get that totally. But it's just, it's one of those things where I try to just avoid as much as I can about Ghostbusters um, Frozen Empire because I'm a huge Ghostbusters fan. So I saw that first trailer. I was like, I'm good. I'm honestly good until March when it comes out, and then I'll see what happens. Um, and it's it's hard to avoid spoilers. Like, you know, you know, when you saw it, you're like, oh, shit, William Atherton's coming back as Walter Peck. It's like, that's cool, but I kind of didn't want to know because I kind of wanted to just go into that movie and being like, oh, shit, he's back, the head of the EPA. Like, you know, it's, it's you know, but it, it's hard to avoid spoilers in social media these days. Like the Google has said it many times where you're excited about a movie, but social media has a way of spoiling fucking everything. So you just have to just kind of hope that you don't see something that spoils it. Um, And it's not a big spoiler, you know, like you had said, Dean. But at the same time, it's like you want to watch that movie and be like, oh, shit, they brought him back? Um, I was talking last week, actually, uh, with the Ghoul about Empire Magazine. Uh, and their uh, coverage of Ghostbusters Frozen Empire, where they were revealing uh, Janine uh, being in the Ghostbusters uniform, uh, the flight suit, and shit like that. I was like, God, I wish I didn't see that. Because I kind of want to be surprised. I kind of want to, you know, have those moments not knowing going in that's going to happen. Well said, King. You know? And if it if it gets destroyed, it gets destroyed. But at the same time, you know, we're not in that age of all of us um, where back in the day those things were just kind of a surprise. But with you being here, Dean, uh, what are we talking about horror news-wise? What do you got for us? Well, tonight on this episode of Talking Terror, uh, we are covering Suitable Flesh. And yes, we are. Uh, I would have I would have had this item as a story regardless, but in March uh, will be the release of Suitable Flesh uh, in a fully functional uh, 4:3 full frame aspect ratio VHS tape release uh, that you can oh. pre-order right now. 
if you felt the need to have this film on VHS. You can pre-order it right now uh, for $25. Uh, there was also a $45 edition that was signed by Joe Lynch, uh, but that was limited. I think it was 250 copies, but those are sold out. Uh, but if you wanted mm. to have suitable flesh on VHS, uh, $25 mm. will do the trick, and you can expect shipment sometime in March. 25 bucks, little know. man. That is put, put that, that shit, shit in my in hand. my hand. And then you owe me, owe me, owe that jungle love. My jungle oh, love. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> Very cool though that VHS is kind of making a comeback over the past couple of years. Like uh, Dean, I know you love vinyl, um, and now VHS is currently kind of having its renaissance of making a comeback with a lot of these modern releases being made into VHSs. Um, and we'll talk about Suitable Flesh later on in the episode, but yeah. We will. Definitely we will. feels like a 90s VHS special. But all right, very cool. What else are we talking about? So I've been, uh, I've had my, my, I've had the news desk uh, up and running for, for the last several weeks. So I do have a couple of items here that, that are a couple of, uh, weeks old, so if these are things that by chance had been talked about, uh, feel free to stop me at any time. But uh, it seems that in the world of Blumhouse, uh, even hmm. though they put out Split and The Invisible Man and The Black Phone and Megan and the new Halloween trilogy, etc., etc., that mm-hmm. Five Nights at Freddy's was the highest grossing film uh, in the Blumhouse universe. It was. And it's been mm-hmm. confirmed uh, that a sequel <laughs> is in development. Mm. Uh, star uh, Josh Hutcherson has confirmed this. He says right now uh, they're currently nailing down the story and that everyone is chomping at the bit to get going as soon as possible. Um, uh, Ghoul, Dean, have you seen Five Nights at Freddy's? I have Of not. course. I saw it in the theater because I have children that love Five Nights at Freddy's, which is why it's not a surprise that it was the, you know, that it, that it did what it did for Blumhouse. Um, you know, unlike some of their other stuff, this is something that isn't like a, an in-house thing. You know, this has its own mm-hmm. established lore for many years. It's got a huge following. This is one of those where it was like multiple companies I'm surprised Blumhouse ended up with the property because it, I don't see how other companies just missed out on grabbing it, you know, because, again, it, it just it played upon all of all of the stuff that we've seen, you know, create nightmare fuel with like Chuck E. Cheese and shit like that and just like made it into into a film, you know, first a video game and then a film. But uh, but they did well, though, I, I have to say. The movie was better than I really expected it to be. I, I had an enjoyable time watching it. You know, the kids really liked it. And, you know, there's all kinds of stuff, all Easter eggs and things that they know from the games and from watching, you know, YouTube clips and all the stuff that they do these days because, you know, sometimes they don't actually play the games. They just know of them and then watch videos about them. Um, and, uh, but, yeah, all the stuff that they knew on that. And, uh, and yeah, and for me, it was just it was an enjoyable you know, PG thirteen ride. Yeah, you like I uh, yeah. I didn't have a problem with that at all. Um, I watched it with the monkey on Halloween night, uh, 
at his evil lair. Um, and I thought it was good. Um, I had some problems with the plot because I was like, ah, that doesn't really make a lot of sense. But once they brought in the romantics, uh, talking in your sleep, I was like, all right, that's fucking cool. Um, but of course, Matthew Lillard fucking stole the show. Um, as he always does. I'm a huge, uh, Lillard fan. Um, uh, so yeah, uh, Dean, if you have not seen it yet, it's on oh. Peacock. So. Oh, oh, oh! Should I, should I William Atherton him? No, I won't. See, I could though. I but, could, but, but I here's won't. the thing: I don't give a fuck what? if you do. What, Dean? You don't give a fuck, right? No, whatever. Fine. No, I'm still not gonna no. do it. Spoil Five Nights at Freddy's, please. I haven't. Please, if it'll make you feel better, if you need to get your revenge no. because you know William Atherton is in Frozen Empire, spoil something about Five Nights at Freddy's. Go <laughs> unlike, ahead. Go ahead, man. Unlike it'll make your you feel favorite better. EP, unlike your favorite EPA agent, I have integrity. Thank you. Angela's got a dick at the end of Sleepaway Camp. How about that? <laughs> oh, man, I've never seen that. You ruined it. Oh, well. There you go. Surprise, surprise. Hey, Joel, anybody here, anybody listening, I'm sorry. I just broke, like, the, the biggest cardinal rule in horror films for, for you, if you ask me anyway. Yeah, you spoiled, that's you a, spoiled that's, the fucking movie from 1986. Done. Great. You spoiled an almost 40-year-old movie for our listening audience. They're going to be raging right now. Isn't it 1983? Yes. Playboy camp as early as 1983. Is it really that early? Yes, indeed. Think about the shorts and clothes those kids were wearing. 1986 was Jason. No, 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 no. Think, think Jason lives. 83. Playboy camp. Yeah. 83. For 1986, that's Jason lives. That's what 80s kids looked like in in 86. 83. That's the shit I was wearing in fucking you know grade school. You know PS 32 when I'm in like fourth and fifth grade gym class wearing shorts <laughs> that would make a fucking hot chick blush. I will the, fucking die in hell. You know, like yeah. So I, yeah, I had to look uh, and and truly like truly when I think about uh, my my childhood video store horror perusals, um, I would have had truly uh, Sleepaway Camp pegged as 86. I feel like. 83 no, feels too late. like when I, no, no, that's, I'm just going on my own, my own thoughts. I'm not, you know, like I'm obviously I'm wrong. Um, I'm just saying, uh, like to my recollection, I would have pegged, uh, sleepaway camp in 1983 in con, just in conversation. Oh, uh, I would have felt that <laughs> I would have, I would have felt that to be a little early for sleepaway camp. I, I had, a, I had, a, I had pegged, I would have pegged it no later than 86. Um, but that's like the, the timeline he loves that I would have had. In, in my brain. But what's <laughs> funny too is that the the Google, when you put Sleepaway Camp in Google, their little like Google. adjectives in their little in a nutshell box says that Sleepaway <laughs> Camp is <laughs> yeah, funny. Yeah. Funny, <laughs> menacing, and twisted. It's just funny that funny is the word that comes first. Oh, it is. It definitely is. Because um, I have a friend these... uh, I have a friend that had never seen Sleepaway Camp before, you know, because she had seen Saltburn. And she was talking about how fucked up that movie is. And I was like, you know what? You haven't seen Fucked Up until you've seen Sleepaway Camp. And she was like, oh, I'll watch it. She watched it, and then she texted me. She was like, that was the most fucked up shit I've ever seen. I was like, right? She's like, what the fuck? Like, that ending was fucking amazing. And why did that guy have a fucking electrical tape mustache at the end? I was like, yep, Sleepaway Camp. (laughs) I, I just, I, I couldn't, you know, I was like, I can't believe there's people out there that haven't seen Sleepaway Camp and have seen an ending, you know? And she's like, that, that was, that was her? I was like, you know, yeah, 
It was, and uh, yeah. she had a penis. Yep, and I think it's one of those things that, you know, over time it's become one of those things that uh, people, in a way, kind of know about, even if they haven't seen it. Like, it's become, uh, you know, that little, like, it's become truly like a, kind of like an, like an oddity in, in, the, in, the, in the greater horror, horror world. But, man, uh, seeing that for the first time when you don't know anything about it, like that is a, is a super fun watching experience. When I think about all of the movies that are out there that have all of the different twists and all of the different thises and the diff- different thats, like that's truly one uh, that I uh, like wish I could see again for the first time, you know, because now like once you know, once right. you know, like it, like even when you watch it now, sometimes you get pulled into it and you're like, all right, here it comes. But you always know it's coming and you always know like what you're looking for when you're watching it, but you don't know those things the first time. And like, that's just one of those that will never, ever, ever, um, like you can't duplicate it by watching it again. Uh, you know, I have deemed, uh, personally, I have deemed the year 2024, uh, the year that I'm finally, uh, instead of like when I have my, my solo late night time, instead of just like scrolling endlessly, trying to decide, uh, what it is I'm actually going to watch. I'm actually going to make attempts to truly watch things. And that is, I know I've been talking about it endlessly in the chat, but <laughs> that is what has led me uh, to watch the show Banshee, which I watched all four seasons, all 38 episodes in three weeks. So and good. fucking loved it. The fucking third season of that show could be one of the best seasons of television I've ever seen. Fucking incredible. Wow. But uh, I just... Uh, started watching, and, and these, these are ones, this one is a little old, bit older, but uh, some consider to next to The Sopranos maybe being the best HBO show ever, I started watching The Wire. And, uh, oh, The Wire is like, so it's, fucking good. Uh, oh, it's, it's come so... up in a couple, and I'm seven, maybe seven or eight episodes into the first season, and, uh, you know, that's one where, like like I just said about Sleepaway Camp, but like more than one person in conversation lately has said, oh, man, I wish I can go back and see The Wire for the first time. You know, so like that's how I feel about Sleepaway Camp. Like seeing that for the first time, especially when you're like I don't know, 15. It's fucking incredible. What an experience. Oh God, you fuck. I was I was in single digit years when I fucking saw Sleepaway Camp the first time. I had so many questions. <laughs> yeah. I had no fucking idea what I was watching, man. Yeah, I, 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 we went on. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. Like literally, I seriously had like like I came out of that movie with like theories. I was of an age where I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> So, like, both the kids died, and they sewed the daughter's head onto the son's body. Like, it did not register <laughs> to me that the, that the aunt was, like, a nut, and that, like, she fucking made the, the boy, you know, be a girl. Like, none of that, like, my simple fucking brain, like, turned it into this big, complicated thing, because, you know, the adult parts I really didn't pay attention to. All I loved about Sleepaway Camp was, like, you know, we had a bunch of little kids that sounded just like us, a bunch of fucking New Yorkers, cursing up a storm, saying nasty shit with each other, and, like, talking about, you know, like, wanting to feel up this chick, and, oh, what base did we get with that chick, even though, realistically, none of us had done anything of the sort yet. Um... And you probably yeah, all had you know, different the, definitions for each of the bases. Oh, well, uh, I, mean, I, think that's, I think that's always fairly solid, man. I think, you know, first is kissing, obviously. Second's feeling the tits. Probably second's licking them. You know, Fingers. third is obviously is fingering. 
you know, messy third would be going down, which that that I don't think was really something anybody yeah. was thinking about at those ages yet. Um, that was still you know, and, and then hitting home is, you know, fucking, you know, come on, going all the way, sticking your bat in the fucking That's hole. all the way. Um, all when the you're way. sliding in the first and you feel a juicy burst. Oh, <laughs> die a fucking Rhea. You know, the, uh, <laughs> so, so the wire, you know, like for me with that one, man, I, uh, uh, I've watched the first season of that show. That's one of those shows that like what I found, cause I, similar to you, Dean, like I didn't watch it when it came out, you know, it was just years and years and years of hearing people tell me, Oh, you should check out the wire. Oh, the wire was so good. And I know some of the actors that have come out of it and like, you know, like, and I, I like a lot of them and I've heard that some of their performances in the wire were phenomenal. Um, I watched mm-hmm. the first season. I really enjoyed it. But then when I went to start watching the second season, it like, it is, it's one of those where it like shifts. And for some reason, whatever shift it took, I wasn't going with it. So I did not finish and, and keep going with that show. Um, but that is one I always mean to go back and like try to, to re-get into again. I found my latest fucking, you know me and these fucking shit trash TV reality shows. Like I, I found my latest addiction which is fucking, uh, you know how, like, your, your your television, when you have a smart TV, it's got free channels. Like, if you've got a Roku, mm-hmm. there's, like, a whole bunch of free Roku channels. If you got a Samsung, there's Samsung TV Plus, and there's a bunch of free channels. And, like, you know, like, the free channels are, like, there's, like, a Doctor Who classics. Literally, it's just Doctor Who classic episodes yeah. all day long, you know? Fucking, uh... You know, I don't know, Court TV, and it's just old Court TV. It's not like live. It's not like the live television that you find on your regular channels. They're just channels that are airing. Yeah, there's like all kinds of channels. Shows. Like so, yeah. so I found on fucking Wee TV, okay, Women's Entertainment, a show called fucking Love After Lockup, okay. Oh, I love show that show. I'm a huge fan of the show. Dude, it's such fucking class. It's such awesome trash TV, bro. Like, come on. <laughs> yep. Like, these are people that met each other. Like, you know, one per- the person on the outside, like, got in touch with an inmate, you know, through writing and stuff like that. And somehow they've developed love, okay? And some of the shit these people do and say to each other afterwards is just fucking absurd. Like, it's fucking ridiculous. They come out, they're meeting for the first time, and then they're planning to get married, like, right away. Like, we just met. Then they, like, you know, the dude gets out. He's looking to go get fucking high, drunk, do this, do that, bang on the girls, and you got the girl sitting there going... I just don't understand why he's doing this. Like, it doesn't make any sense. It's like, bitch, he's been locked up for eight years. What did you think he was going to do when he came out? Love you? Like, come on. You know, so it's, it's, it's just trash TV at its finest. If you ever get a chance to check it out, you know, I'm currently watching the second season. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I've seen all over as far as seasons go, just because the channel, you don't have any kind of control over those channels. So, but yeah, that's actually my latest craze. No, yeah, I definitely get that. Huge <laughs> fan of that show. And ninety day, uh, ninety day fiance is a show that I like too, where it's like two fucking ridiculously horrible people that shouldn't be together are, and it's like yeah, like uh, Big Ed <laughs> and his fiancees. It's like I bought you a toothbrush. Maybe you can brush your teeth. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> just fucking, just shit fucking TV. Sometimes you need Prison it. brides. 
is a new well, one that just dropped. And that's only like three or four episodes out. And that one's, uh, that one too, it's almost like they're mail order brides coming in for prisoners. Like most of these girls are from other countries. So like there's one girl coming from Australia. She's like picking up all her stuff and coming here to move to the States just so she can marry this, this prisoner, you know? And then you got to wonder now, like, is this a, is this a fucking visa thing? You know, are you looking just to get citizenship? Like, you know, like what is the work that that's going on? And that's that's where it starts to get fun to watch. And like I said, that's only on like uh, I think the fourth episode comes out tonight for that one. Well, mm-hmm. I will say, when you tire of your trash TV, you know where I mm-hmm. say that you should turn your attention to. Yeah, I said I'll go back to Banshee. I have not finished it yet. So, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm a bunch of episodes into the first season. So it's not like we weren't like Bench is we really fucking good. I yeah. get I get distracted yeah. real easy. Uh, yeah, no, I know. I I just you know, uh, Google, were you? I know you had said you were stepping away for a moment, uh, but did you? Were you gone about when I said that the part of um, like part of me for 2024 is uh, actually like watching stuff that I've been wanting to watch for a long time. And that is what led to like the watching of Banshee, and that is what has led to me watching The Wire right now. Yes. Instead of just, yes, instead of, I don't know if you heard me say it or not, but man, um, I just, I don't want to sound, I know I sound like a broken record, but if you do get a chance to go back no, to no, it, no. it's like totally, it's totally worth the ride, man. That was one wild fucking ride. And what's even awesome is that like I had no idea, and it even took me a minute because I didn't see like the name in the in the credits, but like maybe in the second episode. Like it all connected, and I was like, "Holy shit! It's fucking Homelander that uh, Anthony Starr is, is the, is Anthony the lead Starr. character." Also, oh, I um, recognized him right off the rip. As soon as I saw that, I was like, "Oh no, shit!" But what yeah. a fucking show, man! Like I would probably it's, even rewatch that one. That's how fucking much I loved it. it but anyway, so good this is not the Banshee podcast. Uh, this is mm-hmm. not the Wire podcast. Uh, this is the Talking Terror podcast, and it is. Uh, Yes, and uh, the director of The Ritual, which I believe might have been a, one of my picks uh, previously on this show, it was. and The Night House and the Hellraiser uh, remake and segments of the VHS uh, anthology series, uh, David Bruckner is set to write and direct uh, a remake of The Blob uh, for Warner Brothers Discovery. Uh, I believe that we've all talked about uh, how fondly we think of the original Blob remake with Kevin Dillon and Joe Seneca love and it. Sonny Smith. Love it. Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, love it. So hot. And uh, like like an awesome remake before like horror remakes were like really a thing. So, But anyway, uh, there will – apparently there's another The Blob uh, in, in the works. Well, and like the goal and I have always said, where the fuck is that sequel to The Blob from 88? that Chuck Russell fucking movie with the fucking preacher at the end, having the frozen blob right. in that fucking little glass mm-hmm. jar. I want yeah, that fucking yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. that would be interesting too. But, you know, I think, I think the ship has sailed on that. But who knows, because they do direct sequels all the time. I don't know if that's such a, such a movie uh, that has people, like, that would be so into, like, a, um, you know, direct sequel too, but but that was that was a good one. That was a really good one. I really liked that one a whole fucking yeah, lot. Yeah, no, I mean maybe, so. maybe that's the kind of thing that you might find in like you know like one of those like Easter eggs. Maybe like in the in a, in a church somewhere, you'll see a jar that has like a little bit of it or something. Um, 
But uh, yeah, yeah no, I, I have a feeling that whatever whatever's going to be made now is going to be made, you know, obviously using today's sensibilities and not wanting to connect to the uh, to the other film. Which yeah, again, I I totally wanted I wanted that sequel for a long fucking time, man. But I do I do have a uh, and you know I, I've obviously seen the original Blob, but I do I have a soft spot in my heart for that 1980s remake. For yeah. me, obviously, yeah, it's, it's, fucking it's great. The better of the movies. I saw it at like the perfect time. It's one of those films in which it's like you know you got you got everything that you want for it. You know, like the the kind of cool bad at good heart type of deal, a really hot girl, you know, a couple little kids, one of the kids dies. Like, we don't see that <laughs> in horror movies when you're a kid, typically. This movie's got that. You know, like, when that kid got fucking eaten, it was like, oh, shit, kids can die? No, fuck. Um, obviously, not not thinking Sleepaway Camp at the time, um, which I probably did see before I saw the remake of The Blob. Hmm. I, gotta, uh, I think I think I think that was the case. Um, when uh, I, I, I in, in the '88 Blob, when when the Blob, I, I, right, I, I, was it a, I can't remember at the end, like towards the end, when like the Blob was like totally out of control in the town, and they all took mm-hmm. they all took shelter. Maybe maybe it was like maybe it was the church building, but when the when the deputy, the red haired deputy, is like trying to put the bookcase against the wall and is like holding on, and the like pieces of Blob come through and pull him out, and his back breaks backwards, and like like he just folds mm-hmm. backwards and yanks. That shit was fucking awful. Yeah, they were were they like they were like the the, the town hall or like the courthouse or something. I yeah, think. yeah, it was something. It was something like that. Uh, but yeah, uh, speaking, I want to rewind a little bit because you know everyone is so up in arms about Frozen Empire, but uh, your wait uh, to see it um, will be uh, a little bit shorter as it has been moved up from March 29th uh, to March awesome. 22nd. So. Those of you out there that are so desperate to see it with no spoilers will have a, 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 a week yeah. shorter uh, so if chance you're ready to see William uh, of, of not having things spoiler for you. <laughs> yeah. Get ready. Well, that's me. I, I'm I know I'll get so my excited. You know, I just went and saw. I just... Oh, no, go ahead. What's that? No, no, no I was going to say, I'm just so fucking excited to see it. As a Ghostbusters fan... I'm so fucking excited to see it. Like, I, I watched that first trailer. I was like, that's it. I'm done. I don't need to see anything else. Just let me be surprised. Um, and, yeah, I know, even though Willem Atherton is showing up, <laughs> I'm still just so excited to just have Ghostbusters back on the big screen. Like, it just, that little kid in me that loved the Ghostbusters back when I was a kid is so excited to just see what they, they bring and I'm hoping for more Ghostbusters in the future. But go ahead, Gould. What are you going to say? Yeah, no, I mean, for starters, absolutely. You know, like, I'm, I'm totally – I'm hoping that potential was there in Afterlife is built on in the right ways in this film. Um, you know, because like the Dean said, you know, Afterlife I felt – you know, overall I felt was a, was a good film. Didn't love it. I didn't come away from it saying, oh, that's now my second favorite Ghostbusters film. Like, no, I would, you know, if I'm going to take the four movies, I'm going to rank them as, you know, the original, the second one, Afterlife, and then Answer the mm-hmm. Call, um, you know, which is what they call the, the women's version or whatever it is. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, I'm hoping that they took what, what all the good that was there, they build on it a little bit, and, you know, give us something that's, uh, I think, a little more meatier. You know, I want, I want a little more flavor. Um, 
you know, and, and, and then, yeah, for like, you know, for me, like my, my most recent, I finally got back to the theater. What did I do? I went and I saw the, uh, the Godzilla movie without color. Uh, you know, Godzilla minus one minus color. And, uh, and you know what? It was, it was an interesting way to watch the film. Uh, what was already a great movie um, that I've seen three times now. Um, there you go. go going, <laughs> I'm going for that Endgame fucking record. No, not really. Yeah, uh, there you it. go. It's the, last time, it's the last time I'm seeing this one in theaters. I'll be waiting for the digital release whenever that happens. But, uh, yeah, I know, like, instead of just applying, like, monochrome to it or whatever it is, they went through the entire film removing the color from all of these scenes. And, you know, like, you know, basically, like, the way the director was saying, he goes, like, you know, the idea was to make it more like a, uh, almost like a documentary from that time. Um, yeah. And, like, I felt like watching it in this in this way kind of, like, gave it more of a, a realistic feel to the time period that the film is taking place in. The movie as it was, was filmed in a style that kind of had almost a, uh, like, don't get me wrong. There's certain sequences where it's just fucking, it's gorgeous. You know, there's beautiful things going on, mm-hmm. but the, the type of film that they use, the way they filmed it almost has this like 1950s, sixties type of like look to it. Um, so mm-hmm. plot, like taking the color out of it kind of just really like really makes it fit in even more to that look and it like really gives it like this entirely different like feel so so definitely if you if you were a fan of it originally you know go go give it a, another view why not you know i know it's up for uh, best visuals uh for 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 the oscars um but uh if you haven't seen it then it's not, it's not a bad way to see it that's great um and uh, Dean, did you see that trailer that you were telling us about with Roy Matherton, or you just know that he was in I that did. trailer? So what did I you did think? Watch the like, just, let, just give me a taste. Like, let, let me know, because I have not seen. I'm not going to see it, but uh, you know, what are your thoughts? Uh, you know, like like I said, man. Like, I didn't have strong feelings for for Afterlife. I- you know, although I saw it, mm-hmm. like, I don't have, like, a like, strong yearning to see Frozen Empire, but I'll see it. And, like, the trailer was fine, you know? There was some notes there where I was like, oh, cool. And, you know, like, I'll see it, and, and I'll go from there. But, like, watching the trailer, yes, and I agree with what uh, the ghoul had said at the top about sometimes uh, trailers uh, maybe include uh, stuff that they shouldn't include that can give away a plot point or this and that. Um, I felt that this trailer was totally like a serviceable trailer. There was nothing in it that made me think, Oh man, I wish they didn't show me that. Um, so, you know, it was a, it was a totally, you know, standard trailer for an upcoming movie. Very cool. You know, cause as you guys know, huge Ghostbusters fan. So I'm looking forward to it. Um, you know, we talked about last week, you weren't a part of the show, uh, Dean, but they're going for more real Ghostbusters feel, the cartoon show from the 80s. And I was like, you know what? I kind of want that. I kind of want to see what they can do live action with the real Ghostbusters and have that kind of vibe because I was a huge fan of that show growing up. Um, we'll see so what I'm happens. Just, I'm excited, you know, very excited. And the fact that they moved it up, um, I think it's even cooler. But all right, Dean, what else are we talking about? You know, we have, I, well, I say we, assuming that you all feel the same, which I think you do, but we've all been waiting for them to tell us when we will 
ever have an opportunity to see uh, the the Toxic Avenger uh, remake updated film of which it has been screened, but there's been no official release date. Uh, but the, the trauma news that I'm here to say is that starting this year, uh, trauma will be starting uh, to do 4K restorations of some of their properties, uh, starting uh, with the original Toxic Avenger, uh, which will come out, I think, uh, I think the date was uh, February 15th. Uh, then there will also be, throughout the year, uh, 4K restorations of uh, Mother's Day, uh, the last horror film, Redneck Zombies, um, and and more. Uh, so again, these will be starting in February. They'll be available to see on the on Troma's own streaming service. I haven't seen anything about wider release uh, beyond that. Uh, but if you have been wanting to see how some of these old fun trauma movies look in 4K, uh, your chance uh, will be in this year of 2024. Which is Blood awesome. Sucking Freaks. Yeah, Blood Sucking <laughs> Freaks, one of them. That's a good one, too. So, yeah. So, yeah, all throughout the I year, that, uh, we'll see the releases. I know, I know that they released the Toxic Avenger 4K box set, uh, Trauma did, uh, not that long ago. Um, that you could pick up if you like the Toxic Avenger well, movies. Well, they did. Um, you know, because Lloyd's all about that money. But, yeah, I, I kind of with you there, Dean, where I kind of just want that fucking release date for the new Toxie. Like, I, I yeah. don't know why they're waiting so long. Like, this fucking release it already, man. Like, it had a great for reception, real. you know. Yeah, the buzz but was for good. For some reason, they're, they're holding out, and I'm surprised Lloyd's kind of sitting on it because you think Lloyd – of all people, would be like, let's get this fucking movie out. Get it on 4K, get it on Blu-ray, like, you know, whatever you have to do, but, you know, no release date. Get that shit in the theaters. I would fucking be there first day, but all right, Dean, what else are we talking about? All right. Uh, Let's see. Um, A release date has been given for uh, the third original Walking Dead spinoff, uh, We Are the Ones Who Live, which is the Rick and Michonne series, uh, mm-hmm. which will debut on February 25th. So uh, that's just a few weeks away from now. Uh, and they also have said that uh, second seasons are officially a go uh, for both Dead City and then the Daryl Dixon spinoff, which the season two one uh, is called The Book of Carol. Um, so McBride will be returning for that season. No info on when those might see the light of day, uh, but see, second seasons have been confirmed for both of those. I watched Dead City. I uh, haven't gotten around to Dow Dixon yet. But I'm looking forward to the Rick and Michelle. I mean, they're, they're still going with it. You know, obviously, I, I would think there's going to be some kind of, uh, kind of, I guess, kind of being just not about it anymore, but they're still releasing these things. So I guess there's a fan base for them. Um, oh, absolutely. I haven't seen, I haven't seen any of the trailers for the, the Rick and Michonne series. I, I still have not watched it past uh, Rick leaving in the original series. Just, I got tired. You know, I had that kind of, yeah. you know. Walking Dead like, fatigue, I'm, they call it. Um, yeah, yeah, it, it happens, you know. 
Cool. I know <laughs> um, you had started it. Did you did did the did you end up enjoying? Uh, did uh, did you end up getting into Dead City? Did you not finish it? I feel like you watched the first one and like kind of weren't into it. Like, uh, I mean, we watched a few episodes of it. Uh, ultimately, we didn't finish it, and then my AMC Plus um, ran out, um, and I wasn't paying whatever like the full amount for it is. Um, you know, because I, I got a year of it free through like Apple or whatever it was, um, mm-hmm. or through through some service or another. So, so for whatever reason, like again, like they they were like, "Hey, your renewal's coming up," and it's I forget what it was, but I just was well, I think it was like sixty bucks for the year, maybe. And I'm oh, just like, "Yeah, that. I'm not about I'm not about yeah, that, yeah, you know, fuck like that. at all. Uh, I don't. Yeah, I'm not about know, that noise. Well, I mean, I will most likely get it again for at least, uh, and I'll just pay monthly um, when. Uh, whatever the next part of the Anne Rice saga comes out, because we were enjoying mm. the interview with the vampire series. We were enjoying the witches, whatever the witch uh, series was that had come out. Um, so, like, I, I know that that's... The Mayfair witches? And, yes, the Mayfair witches. Um, so, yeah, at that point, I'll, I'll end up getting it again, and, you know, I'll try to catch up uh, when, when that's the case. Uh, no, I think that's on FX. I think Shogun... Like there's a show coming out soon called Shogun that I wanted to see. I can't remember if that was an mm. AMC show because if that is, then then I might be getting it for that too. That's sometime in February, Shogun, 2024. Yeah, uh, that's going to be for FX. FX. Okay, so then I don't have to worry about it for that. I get that on uh, Hulu. On FX Hulu. and Hulu. Yeah. Yeah. Hulu. yeah well, I think the, the uh, Walking Dead fatigue is real. I'm still waiting for the complete series to come out on Blu-ray or DVD. I was like, I'll buy the box set, and then I'll finish uh-huh. it up, you know, and, and uh, you know, go from there. But, yeah, I, I just never watched after Rick left. I was like, that's, that's it for me. You know, Carl died, and I was like, this, this whole fucking show is all over the place. You know, I just kind of dropped out of it. Yeah, remember when he fucking had that weird death? And he's just like, yeah, I'm, I'm dead. <clears throat> and then he fucking died, and you're like, oh, all right, well, Carl is dead now. <laughs> but it, it's, it, it's a weird one. Um, Everybody I'll, dies. I'll go back in. Um, you know, but I'm, I'm, I'm like that with Riverdale, where I watched the last season of Riverdale, and I thought it was kind of weak, but I was like, you know what? How about the box set when it comes out? And then I just revisit it, and, and hopefully it's, you know, what I remembered, but you know, The Walking Dead is still a, a great IP, apparently. You know, with, with the Book of Carol coming out and Daryl Dixon series coming out and Rich, and Rick and Michonne, but, you know. So I don't think there's any kind of lag of that um, in the future. But, all right, Dean, what else are we talking about? Uh, from one series to the next, this next series, uh, I'm excited about, although it hmm. won't be seen the light of day for a bit. And I'm talking about uh, the Crystal Lake TV series. A um, little more than a year ago, it was announced. Okay. Um, it was originally planned uh, to, short, to start shooting uh, next month in March, um, even though uh, the strikes have, have been ended. It seems that everything related to the strikes in the show have pushed the beginning of shooting off a little bit, and uh, there's no official mm-hmm. date, but right now they say they will be shooting in the summer 
of 2024. So it seems like just a delay of a few months uh, till they start shooting uh, the Crystal Lake uh, TV series, uh, reminding that uh, it is uh, apparently, uh, I think it said that there were like a, like a four seasons worth of show mapped out, but they have right, definitely yeah. guaranteed one season. And then uh, the network has to pay them a, a fine if they don't do a season two. So it's pretty much guaranteed to be at least uh, two seasons. And as seem things, as time marches on, it seems like these, these TV series is, it might be the future direction for, for some of these big horror franchise movies, but I'm, I'm looking forward to the crystal Lake TV series. Um, especially if, um, you know, that's going to be the first thing, uh, that we see unless a movie, of some kind, excuse me, oh, excuse me, a uh, movie of some kind makes it to the big screen uh, before then. But anyway, uh, this summer uh, of 2024, we'll, we'll see the Crystal Lake TV series starting to shoot. I'm definitely looking forward to it. Um, you know, it's great to hear that it's actually moving forward and it's actually going to be starting the film uh, this summer. Because um, we also had that news, uh, and I think you were the one that broke that, Dean, about the Halloween uh, whole thing about yes. how they're potentially making a Halloween TV series um, that well, might end up on Peacock. Rights rights have been have been sold. Um, whether something actually happens remains to be seen. So there has been no announcement if something is actually moving forward. But the rights uh, the rights have been have been sold. They have. I mean, things are kind of moving forward in that sense with Halloween, um, as opposed to uh, the Crystal Lake series, which is absolutely filming this summer. Um, but it, it's like we always say, like, you have not seen the end of these characters, um, of Michael Myers and, and Jason Voorhees. Uh, the, the Crystal Lake series, I'm kind of interested in seeing how that happened, because they had said that they are going to have adult Jason in this series at some point. Um, they're going to somehow make that happen. Um, as far as Michael, well, I mean, it, it, it remains to be seen because they, they Malik and Cod obviously wants to move forward with that, um, you know, but uh, still no movement on Freddie. You know, Freddie is our only boy that uh, hasn't really seemed to move forward uh, in this new generation uh, that we're going into, which I think is interesting. Well, wasn't, wasn't, um, um, wasn't uh, like, like accepting pitches. They were, for, yeah. The, Nightmare the Elm Street, estate. for Nightmare on Elm Street uh, project. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, the estate you know, of uh, West Craven was, yeah. For a little while, anyway. So, um, and I know that, for, I know for a while, uh, Robert England was saying that Kevin Bacon should take on the mantle of uh, Freddy Krueger if they were going to move forward uh, in this new iteration, but it seems like that's, that's the one that uh, hasn't really moved forward because we did get uh, the Weatherface movie in 2022, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which, you know, <laughs> for me is terrible. But, you know, it, it has its fans, you know, but uh, to me that was uh, a, a move sure backwards, does. especially especially with uh, this year being the 50th anniversary of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. 
you'd like to think that there's something, you know, happening, but there's not. But at the same time, it's also the, the, the 40th anniversary of Nightmare on Elm Street. So you'd like to see something moving forward with, with Nightmare, but, you know, that, that Jack Arrow Hale movie just kind of sticks with us. They, they tried. just was not uh, what we wanted. Mm. It was oh, fair. Yeah. It's I, a fair movie. I yeah. I yeah. I will say I, that. I'm of like I, I'm of mixed with it. You know, like it's it's weird. It's one of those when like when I think about it, I'm like, oh, you know, it really wasn't that bad, and there were parts about it that I enjoyed. And then I go to rewatch it, and I'm like, wow, how come I don't remember this being this bad? Um, but like I said, like there, there are parts to it that I don't hate, but then there are things about it that I do. So I don't know. I still have a lot yeah. of fondness for that Friday remake, though. You know the uh, it's you know, so fucking the first, good. The first twenty minutes of that movie are just so fucking great, and then uh, and then the rest of it is like. You know, it kind of falls in, like, in weird spots. You know, there's stuff that was good, stuff that gets dropped. And, like, yeah, I do wish that we would have gotten at least more in that world of the franchise. It was a Friday the 13th movie. <laughs> That's all it was. Mm-hmm. It was just another Friday the 13th movie. That's why it worked so well. Where, as opposed to A Nightmare on Elm Street, where you have to make a new movie where you have Jackie Earl Haley playing Freddy, and you have to bring him in as his character, you know, where you are so used to Robert England, now you have to get used to a new character where the makeup isn't that good, and the, the one-liners are not that great, and it, it works, but it doesn't work. Like, it's, just, it's one of those things where, yeah, just, you know, you want it to work so well, but it just the execution was done so poorly. Whereas with Friday the 13th, it's like, that's just fucking Derek Mears in a Friday the 13th Jason hockey mask. And it's fun. And the characters are fun. And just, it works. But with Freddy, you have to work a little bit harder because Freddy can talk. Freddy has one-liners. And it just, as a whole. Yeah, like, eh. well, I, well, I mean, that's the thing, though. So I look at it more and say Freddy became one-liners. Freddy mm-hmm. became oh, the character that, that, you know, we will, you know, know, and because of Robert England playing it the way we do, that he does, you know, that is how we will forever know it. Um, you know, but at the same, like, I, I do get what they were trying to do with Jackie Earl Haley there, mm-hmm. but it just, yeah. you can't. You know what I mean? The character is too established as what mm-hmm. Robert England has done with it. And that, that is, that's really what it comes down to. There's no way to reestablish him as necessarily violent and scary. Like, you really can't do it. I mean, it's just, it just won't work, you know? Like you said, he talks. He's got a personality. And unfortunately, that personality is so intrinsically tied to that character now, there's just no way to break it. You know, so it ain't like Freddy, uh, it ain't like Jason, I'm sorry, it ain't like Jason, it ain't like Leatherface, it ain't like where you can, like, take these characters and, like, 
you can reinvent them by putting them in like darker makeup or change the mask up, give them a cool new chainsaw, mm-hmm. let them kill you a couple different ways, make them the really good looking guy with the build, um, like stuff like that, you know, like, and, and that makes it kind of different. Um, but like, you can't do that with Freddie and like, you know, and with the makeup thing, I mean, the, the makeup wasn't bad. They were just going for more of a realistic burn victim. Um, you know, so so yes, it does have less of a, a look as the the iconic Freddy makeup. Yeah, I mean it's it's completely true, and yeah, because uh, you, you brought up Leatherface, like that 2017 Leatherface movie, where you see the big fucking guy, and the entire time like that's Leatherface, that's going to be him, that's who it's going to become, and they're like, no, let's get the fucking really fucking handsome fucking skinny guy, and he's going to be Leatherface. Like what? All right, sure, but that, <laughs> no, you, you had the fucking really big fat guy. You had the bill. I, I, no, I nope. finally, I finally watched that for like the first time. Did you? Like this, oh, this God, past man. year, I finally did. But like nothing will ever come out of my head from when you had seen it, and like you just like you didn't get you gave no fucks. You were like, bro, like I don't get it. Like, what the fuck? The entire movie, you got this big, lumbering, heavy-set fucking idiot who you definitely are like, that's definitely Leatherface. That's definitely Leatherface. And then it's like, oh, no, tricked you is the handsome guy who's real personable. The entire movie, that's the guy that ends up being Leatherface. You were like, and that makes fucking sense. You fucking could not care less. It was like, whatever. I thought it was so funny. I didn't give a fuck that you spoiled it. So, yeah, so watching it Uh, finally, I was like, oh, I see exactly what he was complaining about because I, too, would have thought the entire fucking time the other guy was Leatherface. And see what we did there, Dean? That's a spoiler, bitch. Oh, man, I was planning (laughs) to watch that movie today. I can't believe you ruined it. I know. I know. You're going to go in your room and weep later. I know it's a really be, fucking shy, big, weird uh, guy. That's going to be one of these. No, we're going to make the fucking guy talk to Crying, crying yeah, and weeping. So sad. But all right, dude, leaping you know, so far and dancing. Uh, leaping and dancing. Leaping and dancing. It says right here in your book, Reverend. Weeping there was dancing. a time for this law, but no more. <laughs> it's our time. <laughs> Dark time, Sorry, no. We're we're gonna cross the street. It's a dark time down here. <laughs> Our parents want the best of stuff for us up there. It's their time up there. Ecclesiastes hey, assures us that there's a time to every purpose under heaven. A time to laugh, sure. A time to weep. A time to mourn, and there is a time to dance. Fucking A, Kevin Bacon. Yes, Thank yes. you. All right. Uh, so, getting into some more current items here. Uh, Black Mirror. In the uh, previous season, had an episode called USS Callister. Mm-hmm. And apparently it was so popular, this episode, that it was nominated for seven different Emmys and won four Emmys. Now, it seems that a USS Callister spinoff series uh, is in the works at Netflix uh, with plans to shoot this spring. And all details as far as uh, what it will be about are being kept under wraps. But 
when they talk about spin-off series, they're talking about a three-episode limited series. Once again, that's based on the episode USS Callister uh, from the Black Mirror Anthology program. All right, that was a good one. Looking forward to that. Is that the one that kind of plays off like a uh, like a Star Trek episode? Yes, yes. it does. Okay, that, that's what I thought. Yeah, that was that, that was definitely a good episode. You know, the one everybody yeah. really wants a fucking you know everybody wants a limited series of fucking striking vipers. That's what everybody really <laughs> wants. Let's not lie. Yeah. Okay. The fan well, base is there. Oh my god, see, striking vipers. That's yeah. tr- that's what they need for trash TV. That's perfect. I'm still man. waiting. Get people up in virtual reality, video game types of things. You don't know if they're male. You don't know if they're female. If they're on screen, like video game chemistry works, you then have to introduce them to each other in real life and see if the sparks really fly. Mm, yeah, I'm waiting for that one. <laughs> Fuck it, episode, man. Will they dock? Mm, you and the monkey were right. Mm. Mm, that was insane. Mm. Yeah. All right, Dean, what else are you talking about? Did you uh, ever so see that, the Striking uh, Vipers episode, right, Dean? I have not. Um, that's one that I'm oh, planning to get back to oh, you need this to. year. I'm way behind. I'm way behind. Just, on don't Black even Mirror, just, listen. Don't even worry about watching the other episodes. Remember, it's an anthology series. Every episode is separate anyway. Yeah, Trust I know. Me. I know. I know what Black Mirror is. I've, I've seen the first. I think I've seen. I've definitely seen the entire first and probably the entire second season of Black Mirror. I know full well that it's an anthology. Plus, I don't live under a rock. I report on news related to fucking horror every fucking week that I'm on the fucking show. So I think I know a little something about what Black Mirror is. So take your striking well, viper and viper it right. up your ass. Listen, listen I know, I know I you've been, you've been away. I know you want to talk about being, you know, <laughs> doing the news for every week of the show, but, you know, I don't know. You've been gone for like the last three. So we haven't had news. Excuse me. I said, I said I've been doing the news every episode that I'm on the show. Oh, don't, 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 gosh, don't, gosh, gosh, I was very careful in my I, word choice, I, I, but uh, indeed, but anyway, uh, I will I will check out the striking strike striking vipers. It's called. Yep. Yes. Okay, I will. Uh, don't and don't read the synopsis. Just watch it. Okay. Got it. Striking vipers. Maybe maybe tonight. Uh, so, <laughs> what? What is so funny about that? Oh, no, you'll see. Oh, you'll see. I just, I just can't wait to okay. hear your reaction on the whole thing. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Okay. All right. Uh, so there's that, and now uh, going their separate ways for a while. Uh, Joel and Ethan Cohen, uh, known of course throughout Hollywood as the Cohen Brothers apparently mm-hmm. are reuniting. Yes. And it feels so good. Uh, they are reuniting. They have a new script, and they're going to be directing what's being called a pure, bloody horror film with comedy. Uh, they said all the prep work is done, and they're just waiting on Joel to finish a project that he's currently working on. So it seems the Cohen brothers are reuniting to make a horror film. Can't fucking wait. Ugh, I love the Coen brothers. I mean, Blood Simple is like one of their best fucking movies. So the fact that they want to go back and do another bloody horror movie, sign me up. I can't go wrong Raising with Arizona. Brothers. Raising Arizona. Fargo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
can't yeah, wait. I think I, I mean I fucking love raising Arizona. I mean they have, have so I mean they have a they have a, a class filmography like has very little compare, you know, but uh so many fucking classics. But God do I fucking Big love Lebowski. raising Arizona. So anyway, uh yeah. Uh so there Where's is the, yes, the Cohen brothers. <laughs> yeah. Um they're they're fucking Donnie. Um, so <laughs> they don't care about uh, anything. Looking at the clock here. Uh, there's a couple quick things just to, I want to just get through so we can so we can get to get to the movie. Uh, one of those is that uh, apparently, uh, and I am not a comics person, so this is a type of comic that I have not heard of before. But apparently, in the Marvel universe, uh, they've had a a what if comic series which uh, tells stories of existing comics and what would have happened if the previous story had gone in a different way. And mm-hmm. apparently. Well, not apparently. There, uh, there is going to be another edition of the Marvel What If comic book series, uh, and this one is going to be based on the movie Aliens, and it's going to tell the story of what happened if Paul Reiser's character of Carter Burke had survived uh, the events of Aliens. And not only that, Paul Reiser himself is co-writing this particular issue. Interesting. I think he got what he deserved in the aliens, but what if he didn't die? Yeah. Very cool. And then uh, the final thing on the list here, uh, I should have uh, put an asterisk with my other uh, Blumhouse story from the top, but this also a Blumhouse story. Uh, Jason Blum uh, is establishing and will be curating uh, curating a horror movie museum uh, that will be located inside the Stanley Hotel in Estes, Colorado. The Stanley Hotel, of course, uh, the filming location for uh, The Shining. Uh, the plan is mm-hmm. for this mini academy museum to open sometime in the year 2026 uh, and will feature all kinds of um, exhibits from the Blumhouse world of movies, uh, TV shows, and gaming offerings, uh, and beyond. So a Blumhouse horror museum inside the Stanley Hotel uh, coming sometime in the year 2026. All right. Looking forward to that. I know that the Stanley Hotel kind of balked at uh, their their haunted history for a little while. Uh, they didn't really want to talk about it, um, but now they're embracing it. So very cool. Um, but all right. With that being said, uh, Dean, uh, it is your pick tonight of Suitable Flesh from 2023, directed by Joe Lynch. So why don't you go ahead and give us a plot synopsis and uh, what you thought about it? All right. Historically, we've had Freaky Friday. Mm-hmm. We've had 17 again. We've had vice versa. Good We've one. had the change-up. We've had 13 going on 30. We've had the hot chick. We've had 18 again. We've had dream a little dream. We've had like father, like son. And now we have suitable flesh. Uh, directed by Joe Lynch uh, with the story uh, adapted from an H.P. Lovecraft short story from 1937 called The Thing on the Doorstep. And again, Suitable Flesh from 2023, starring Heather Graham, uh, Judah Lewis, uh, Bruce Davison, 
uh, and Barbara Crampton, uh, longtime horror veteran, uh, looking looking quite good for sixty five, I must say. Oh yeah. Um, and uh, in this film, uh, we have, um, excuse me, we have uh, Barbara Crampton's character, Doctor Upton, uh, who is. Uh, counseling her friend, another doctor played by Heather Graham. Uh, I'd like to think, uh, I, and sometimes I was thinking uh, that this is like what happened to, to Roller Girl after she moved beyond porn. But um, anyway, uh, we have uh, a crazy story about um, corpses and brains and body switching uh, and sex and uh, all of this great stuff uh, leading to many surprises along the way uh, in the film Suitable Flesh. What did you think about it? Thank you. Uh, you're welcome, Ghoul. You're welcome. Um, like, I kind of liked it. I like Heather Graham. I feel like I haven't seen her in anything in like a really long time. Um, you know, I, 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 I thought this was a, like a totally fine uh, horror movie. It's been in my list. Uh, you know, I know it's a, it's a recent film, but from whenever I heard about it the first time, it went right into my notes. Um, I was glad to hear uh, that it was on Shutter. Apparently, it just hit Shutter a few days ago on January 26th. Um, mm-hmm. But I did watch it on Shutter today, and um, you know, uh, I, I liked it. You know, I don't think it's the greatest horror movie I've ever seen. No, uh, I'm glad that I decided to make it my pick and kind of enjoy the ride. So, Ghoul, what did you think about Suitable Flesh? Uh, I mean, I knew nothing about the film. Uh, no spoilers. I know William Atherton wasn't in it. Um, <laughs> you know, I... Uh, Bruce Davison was. Bruce Davison, indeed. He was. He was. And, uh, you know, it's funny. I see Bruce Davison, and, and every time I think about Bruce Davison, I just think of him turning into a melty fucking thing of water in the X-Men film. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, it was just... This always makes me fucking laugh when I when I think about the. Guy. Well, the future child. Uh, well, the future child, not them. So, so suitable flesh though. So you know, like uh, obviously going into the film, I know nothing about it, so I don't know that this is based on a Lovecraft story. Uh, I don't know who's in it. Uh, you know, until I obviously go to look and boot it up, and I see Heather Graham on the front. And yeah, just like you, I'm happy to see Heather Graham. You know, I, I feel like I haven't seen her in, in a while either. Um, and I totally get your your Roller Girl vibes. She's definitely fucking like Roller Girl in this movie, which was was nice. You know, the uh, sex scenes, the sex scenes in this film definitely uh, gave off 1990s Skinamax level like late night vibes. You know, oh yeah, it, it might. It might not be the sex movie that Skinamax is playing that night. Like, that might not come on until, like, 2.30. That's what comes on, like, after this movie. This movie comes on yeah, this at, is like, the warm-up. 12.30. This is what comes on at 12.30 on Cinemax, and you're like, oh, wow, man, this is a fucked up <laughs> film. And, you know, again, if this was the 90s and I was fucking, you know, tripping balls or just fucking stoned off my fucking ass watching this, I probably would have really enjoyed this movie. Um, it feels like a 90s film. But the uh, but again, overall, when when all was said and done with the movie, I did enjoy it. It's just like you said, it's not the greatest film I've ever seen. But it's you know, as soon as I heard Miskatonic University, 
I'm like, oh, okay, so this is taking place in the same world as Reanimator and all of those things. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I'm so now I once I heard that, I kind of know what I'm looking at in terms of quality, and that made it a lot easier for me to just swallow the movie as a whole. Mm-hmm. How about you, Kate? How did you uh, yeah. feel about it? You know, and this was one of those movies yeah, that us, I was looking forward us. to last year. Um, you know, it didn't make my top ten list, but it was close because I, I really enjoyed it. I rented it uh, late in 2023. Um, I'm a well, big fan of you had seen this. You had seen this prior. You had seen this already. I had. Yes, I had already seen it. Uh, this was a second rewatch. Um, but I'm a huge fan of Joe Lynch. Uh, the fact that Dennis Paoli was a screenwriter for this movie got me excited because he did the screenwriting for Reanimator and From Beyond, um, worked a lot with Stuart Gordon back in the 80s. So I was, I was expecting something really kind of fun, and I got it. But like the ghoul had said, it, it feels like a movie that you would have seen in the 90s. Like this is definitely like Skinamax territory. Um, it hit all those check marks. Was it a great movie? No, but I think – um, it had that Stuart Gordon, Brian Yuzna kind of flavor to it uh, that Joe Lynch was trying to go for. Just it didn't really push the from beyond uh, reanimator vibes that I wanted. Um, but it was still an enjoyable ride overall, you know. And The Thing in the Doorstep is a great uh, short story by H.P. Lovecraft, um, if you ever get a chance to check it out. And they did take a lot of liberties with the story, um, some name changes, et cetera. But overall, it was great. And to see Heather Graham uh, kind of playing the post-Roller Girl kind of vibe, and then Barbara Crampton as well, it's always great. Plus Bruce Davison, who obviously X-Men, uh, Willard, uh, it's always great to see him too. But uh, So in the scope of this movie, it opens at Miskatonic Medical School in Arkham, Massachusetts, with a body bag being opened by a mortician who is joined by Dr. Daniela Upton. The victim was murdered by a friend of Daniela's, Dr. Elizabeth Derby. Daniela goes to visit Elizabeth where she is being held in the psych unit. Elizabeth demands that the brain of the murder victim be destroyed and then begins to tell the sordid tale of how everything came to be. So Derby at one time had the perfect idyllic life with her own private psychiatric practice with her husband, Eddie played by That Thing You Do star, Jonathan Shake. Always good to see him um, in a much more muted role this time. Oh, uh, God. So, Derby... so, 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 yeah, so this actor, mm-hmm. right, I actually, yeah. like, I'm looking at him in this movie, and I'm like, man, I know this fucking guy. Where do I know him from? So he is the, so, so, so in the 90s, there were these, these this trilogy of films that came out that I forget how I ended up getting one of them, but like I got the one on VHS. It was called the doom generation, which was oh, part. Yeah, oh, that that's together, a good right? fucking movie. Yes. Yeah. We, we watched that together. Nowhere. So yes. Yeah, so, so they're done by this director called Greg Araki. I never, you know, I could never find the first film. I think that one's hard to get. I think you can watch it on YouTube now though. Um, mm-hmm. What was the, the other first one were, called? Uh, like that's how that that's how off it is. It's one of those where it's like, even the name of it is like a little bit, but like it's long. It's like a long-winded name, if I remember right. It's like something. Oh, uh, the totally generation. That's what it is. Totally it's fucked what, up, and then nowhere. 
Yeah, well, it's totally fucked up, the Doom Generation, then Nowhere. That's the order of yeah. films. Uh, it's called the, uh, the Teenage Apocalypse Trilogy. So, like, as teenagers, you know, like, I catch the, the, the movie, and, like, again, like, it's the 90s. We're guys in New Jersey. Like, you know, some of our exposure to, to like, city stuff is just starting to happen when I'm seeing these movies. So, like, a lot of, like, Greg Araki stuff is very, very homoerotic. So, like, it was one mm-hmm. of those where you kind of don't know how to, like, Finger in the butt. necessarily, but they were all fucking, like, taking the ass. films. And, and this actor is actually the lead. He's one of the lead roles in the Doom Generation. So I'm looking at this motherfucker mm-hmm. saying, man, I know this fucker from that, but that's him young. Then the most recent thing I actually know him from is from the, uh, the CW's DC Universe stuff. He plays Jonah Hex in, like, uh... Oh. Well, okay. Le- yeah, Legends of Tomorrow and, and all the stuff that was on those uh, the Flash and everything, like the Crisis. So that's that's where mm-hmm. I'm like, that's where I know him looking like this, and that's also probably why he's as buff as he is. And he looks good. So uh, after a session with a patient, a young man arrives at her office and asks to talk to her. He introduces himself as Asa Waite and tells her that he believes his father is occasionally occupying his body. During the session, mm-hmm. Asa receives a phone call Daddy from his does that. Daddy, no. And he appears to have a seizure before acting as nothing happened, as well as behaving completely differently. Elizabeth is troubled by this development, and that evening, she even imagines Asa in Eddie's place having sex with her. So while Eddie's trying to get it on with her, she's like, not happening. Then all of a sudden, Asa shows up, and she's like, fuck yeah. Let's get the fucking coming happening. So she later ends up going to Asa's house. Having remembered his address that he told her from earlier and discovers his father, Ephraim, to be horribly sick, relying on pills to keep him alive. She finds out that Asa ran off days ago, and that's when she spots a book with strange symbols and drawings that Ephraim tells her to mind her own business about. She tells him that she would have to have people call. She's got a heart condition. <laughs> so, you know. <clears throat> so without Asa being there... She tells Ephraim that she could just make one phone call regarding Asa's endangered home life, but Ephraim branches the large knife, but then has a coughing fit soon afterwards. She checks on Ephraim, but he ends up cutting her finger with the knife, and she flees to go home. One day at her office, while hypnotizing a patient, Asa stops by to tell her that his father wants his body. She watched Ephraim take over his body when he had that seizure in her office, but she doesn't believe him. She asks him to wait while she finishes with this particular patient, but Asa ends up leaving. So that night, Asa calls Elizabeth as she drives to his house, finding Ephraim dying on his floor. Asa refuses to let Elizabeth hand him his pills, but Elizabeth defies his orders, though she isn't able to stop Ephraim's apparent death. Asa tells her that they must destroy Ephraim's brain because if if he says an incantation a third time, he will take over Asa's body. Ephraim, revealed to be alive, utters this incantation and causes Asa to have a seizure before seemingly dying a second time. Asa now all of a sudden appears very much more confident and then proceeds to fuck Elizabeth on top of the desk with Ephraim's body laying on the floor. But during this moment of passion, he whispers an incantation into her ear, which causes them to briefly switch bodies. So she is in his body, he's in hers, but of course, Ephraim notices that Ephraim's body is missing, prompting him to take the elongated knife and chase after him. 
Ephraim begs Elizabeth to help him as he's actually Asa in Ephraim's body, but the real Ephraim, now in Asa's body, stabs him in the neck with the knife before decapitating him fully as a knocked-over candle causes the house to briefly catch fire. So, a lot going on for Elizabeth tonight. Just not having a great time. <laughs> you know, and just being completely in a panic, Elizabeth eventually talks to her friend, Daniela, about the body switch, but Daniela doesn't understand what she means. Daniela chalks it up to Elizabeth feeling guilty about having sex with Asa and that she should talk to Eddie about it. So back at home, two detectives show up to the Derby residence and oh, push Elizabeth Eddie. to fire. <laughs> and, uh, they question her a little bit about the fire that happened at the Wade House and about her missing phone that was found on the property. Uh, and Ephraim is currently listed as a missing person. Um, and the whole thing has that kind of 90s vibe as we were talking about, the two decks showing up. Um, so Elizabeth eventually comes clean to Eddie about having sex with Asa, and he just doesn't want anything more to do with her. Just, you know, I can't believe he did that. So while sleeping at her office, she has a dream where Asa goes down on her, but then turns into Ephraim and pushes her out of a window to her death. And in that moment, she decides, I got to go home and make up with Eddie because that's the right thing to do in this particular moment. So meanwhile, Ephraim, still in Ace's body, handcuffs himself to a pole in the cellar and calls Elizabeth, reading the incantation and causing the two to switch bodies. Elizabeth in Ace's body discovers piles of flesh as well as drawings of a strange creature in the cellar. Elizabeth then calls Daniela, asking her for help, and you need to come to this address that I can give you. And then she gives that address and anxiously awaits for Daniela to arrive. But meanwhile, in Elizabeth's body, Ephraim is just having a great fucking time. I got tits now. I have a pussy that I can play with. This is fucking great. Uh, I'm having the best time. Uh, when Eddie returns home, she's like, you know what? I'm going to have sex with Eddie, uh, which involves using a knife to cut off his fucking boxers and then riding him to full fucking, you know, explosion where Eddie's just having the time of his life having sex with his wife that he doesn't quite realize is not her. Uh, Daniela arrives at the house of Ephraim and Asa, and Elizabeth tries to convince her that she's stuck in Asa's body, and realizing Ephraim is in her body calls the police to save Eddie's life. The two detectives from earlier arrive and see Elizabeth is fine, so they take Eddie into another room for more questioning. Back in the cellar, Daniela threatens Elizabeth and Ace's body with being committed to Miskatonic if she doesn't hear the truth. And just as Elizabeth manages to get Daniela on her side, she and Ephraim switch bodies. So they have their shake, they have their twisting, and on the floor, and then they are back in the bodies that they belong in. And, of course, the detectives are like, well, we hope we don't have to come here again. And Eddie's like, God damn, I came so fucking hard. Can we just talk outside? <laughs> like, Eddie's just like, I, I want more of that puss. Eddie's like so, a whole new character at this point. He really becomes, yeah. He, he becomes a totally different, like, I want that again. And to see him acting like that when Elizabeth is back in her own body, he's like, do you want to do that again? Want to fucking go again? Shit, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> he pulls out the cigarette. I never changed so hard. He's like, <laughs> I'm just glad I don't got to fucking hide it anymore. <laughs> he's so excited. And he's like, I'm so glad. And she's like, what the fuck are you talking about? He's like, you don't remember? Like, 
Oh, God, it was so good. Um, but in this particular moment, Elizabeth realizes that the next body swap will be forever. So she returns to her office and attempts to jump out of the window, but Ephraim arrives and tells her that she can escape if she can successfully kill him and destroy his brain. So she decides to brandish a knife and use that as a way to hypnotize him. So flashing it back and forth to hypnotize him. And it works briefly. Uh, and Elizabeth takes this opportunity to stab him in the head with the knife before throwing him out of the window. But falling out of the window to his particular death, that's not enough. Elizabeth runs downstairs and gets into her car and decides to ram this body over and over again until she feels like it's dead, but still not enough had to take out the fucking knife and stab him repeatedly until the cops show up and tell her to get off of the body. I thought in this sequence (laughs) that it was a really cool use of the backwards cam in the car. Yes. Yep. To see the body continually getting smashed. No, it was a great use of it. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. they're getting smashed, and then they're pulling away, and then it's smashing again, and the, you still heard, like, the, you can, like, kind of see through the camera what was going on, but there was good sound effects, like, I thought that whole, like, like, I feel like I haven't seen them, like, in a movie, them, like, use the, like, the, 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 the reverse camera the inside of the car, like to, yeah, to, to show like that, I thought it was pretty cool. It, it was, was really cool, and, yeah, just see it happen over and over again, and then to see the body slump over, um, I liked, and the fact that she wasn't satisfied with that, so she had to take out the knife and then repeatedly stab the body over and over again. You get to see the little splash marks in the body. Uh, I kind of like that, too. Um, and I did forget to mention that earlier in the movie, when we meet Elizabeth for the first time, Joe Lynch, uh, the director, uh, played one of the hospital uh, orderlies. Uh, he's the one with the mustache. So if you want to know what Joe Lynch looks like, yeah, there he is. In the you want a mustache, Ryan? Yo, he sure, I was waiting for that, but it didn't quite happen. Um, so w- with this happening, now we have that kind of flash to the present day. Um, and we get to see the damage done to the body of Asa, who is actually Ephraim, um, and the heavily mutilated corpse um, awakens during the autopsy um, and I, I love the, the coroner played by Graham Skipper in this scene because he's eating that Reuben sandwich and he's like, oh, you're not even alive to understand what's going on here right now. So he puts that sandwich down, cuts into the chest. He's like, he's not dead. He's not dead. Oh, shit. <laughs> Runs the fuck out of the room as the, the corpse falls to the floor and crawls. And you know this is Elizabeth in this particular moment. Um, and even the guards, like, what the fuck's going on? And, of course, you have to have the one guard. It's like, what? I ain't paid enough of this shit <laughs> in this body. Um, so Elizabeth and the corpse's body begins to crawl through the hospital while Ephraim decides to switch bodies with Daniela, causing the two of them to have a drawn-out fight. And then in Daniela's body, Ephraim begs a security guard named Mace to shoot Daniela but she manages to get his gun and kills Elizabeth in Ace's body, ending the suffering once and for all. Um, but then, of course, the poor security guard. His body is so to... fucked. His body is so fucked <laughs> up. It's like really so fucked, fucked up. Like, you know, 
You almost you gotta like feel bad for the fucking kid, you know? Like he's really just God. Uh, like that piece of leg stump fucking sliding across the fucking floor. <laughs> <laughs> and it sucks because whatever magic like keeps him the fuck alive. Like I do wish they, and maybe maybe that's budgetary and, and and all of that. But like I do wish they could have like explored some of like what the creature was. You know what I mean? Like I know we right. we get these these conversations with it where it doesn't know if it was a male, it doesn't remember if it was a female. I kind of started thinking that it was the because uh, we see that one picture in the basement of what looks like mm-hmm. a uh, like a beholder almost. You know what I mean? Like one of them fucking like weird H.P. Lovecraft like tentacle creatures. Um, like a Cthulhu creature. I, exactly. You know what I mean? And I kind of like in my mind, like I'm thinking that's what it was, you know what I mean? I don't feel like it was ever human to begin with. I feel like whatever got summoned, you know, got summoned into a human body and it's just been spending, you know, generations just hopping around and fucking doing whatever it pleases. Yeah, I like the fact that they kept it kind of ambiguous where you don't really know what this what this creature is, like how it manages the, the hot bodies. Like why would it pick... Ephraim, who is an old man riddled with diseases that just has to constantly smoke pot to get rid of the pain. You know, why wouldn't it want to go to somebody young like Asa? Of course, you have to recite the incantations. No, he's rolling cigarettes, man. And the creature does it. Not Ephraim. I thought it was pot. Nah, nah. Ephraim, that's because the creature likes the tobacco. The creature likes it. That's why we see her later pull out the same shit and starts rolling it up. You know what I mean? So so he's been smoking for however long, you know what I mean? And like that's, he's just, he's been doing it so long. He, he rolls them himself, that type of deal, you know? Yeah. See, I thought it was was weed. Oh, like I just, I Uh, honestly thought it was green, man. Yeah. You know, you, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, it was probably just tobacco. It was rolling up, and I was just like, I don't know. I just, I like the fact that it, I thought tobacco. it could be weed. We got tobacco. And that he was rolling them, you know, because he was constantly rolling it up and, and, you know, just enjoying it. So I was like, hey, this is a weed. Because I thought it was something that, you know, in this old body of Ephraim, this creature probably needed to take the pain away. So it was just rolling up weed, you know, constantly and just smoking it. Um, but, you know, probably it was just tobacco, which is weird. But um, so, uh when they switch bodies, uh, Ephraim shoots Mace to death uh, before continuing the fight. And I was like, poor fucking Mace. Like, this guy was just like, I don't know what the fuck is going on. I just want to be a security guard. And gets his brains blown out the back of his head and shot multiple times. Um, you know, but they continue the fight. Uh, Daniela is getting ready to stab the body with a scalpel, but Ephraim recites the incantation again before the two are eventually separated by police officers. Um, and sometime later, Daniela consoles Eddie in her office, and she's like, well, you know, she was my best friend, and I know this is hard for you, but I'm going to be here for you whenever you need me. Um, and once Ed, – again, Eddie is weird because Eddie's just like, oh, okay. <laughs> he just – he's like, I'm never going to get to tap that again. Like, that's, that's horrible. But his reaction was this kind of nonplus where he's just kind of – I guess dealing with the trauma of what happened. So when he leaves, we see Daniela returning to her office and then again rolling up 
the, uh, the, the homemade cigarettes that we just talked about. And we understand that now uh, this is Ephraim in Daniela's body. Um, and the real Daniela is trapped inside the body of Elizabeth, who is currently strapped to a straitjacket and screaming her life away in this padded I mean, it, it, it was a, a, a great way to kind of end the movie because it's just constant fucking body swaps, like the, the Dean was saying at the start, where it's just constant jumps from one body to another. And the fact that, that this creature could do it so very easily by re, reciting this incantation. Just like that. Uh, and, you know, and, and just could be happy being a female. Because like the ghoul had said, this creature might be a female. could be a male, but it definitely, I think, enjoys being in the female body most of all. I, I got think it's enjoying the vagina. female body because it's probably been so long since it was a female. Like, I get a feel. I, get the, I got the feeling that it had been a male for a long period of time. Yes, the, the ghoul girl is showing me that she is indeed female. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, was, I, was, I was not aware of that. <laughs> I have nipples. Can you milk me? Mm. <laughs> oh, you want to be milked? <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's just, it, it's one of those things where, like, I feel like this movie could have done very well in the 90s. Um, you know, it, just, it feels like it just, it came a little bit too late. Like, I would have loved to have seen what Stuart Gordon could have done with the material. Because I felt like he, of all people, was a huge Lovecraft fan, you know, as we had seen in his movies like From Beyond and, and Reanimator, Brody Reanimator, that he did with uh, Brian Yuzna. Um, you know, it, it seemed like Joe Lynch was trying to make that kind of love letter to Stewart. Absolutely. You know, with this movie. And it, it, it definitely had that feel, but at the same time, I kind of wanted it to be more gross. Like, I was kind of hoping that it would be a little bit grosser than it was. Because we, we it, know, had, it had the feel, it had the parentage, it just didn't have the style, you know, and that, that's kind of like what it was missing. It. You know, like, like you said, like there was that one sequence when he's cutting the throat and there's blood spurting everywhere and it's like a big messy mess. Like the movie could have used more of that. A hundred percent. Like I, I, and I like that scene, you know, when, when he's cutting off Bruce Davison's head and then he shows it to Elizabeth. And then the blood comes out of the mouth and help me. Uh, see, that, that's like, you know, <laughs> Stuart Gordon level. Like, we're, we're there. <laughs> we, we've got that. So I felt like the hallmarks were there. And like I said at the start, Dennis Paoli was the screenwriter for this movie, you know, who had previously worked on Reanimator and From Beyond and Broadway Reanimator and a lot of Stuart Gordon movies. So I felt like the, the spirit was there, but it just kind of felt like a complete, you know, like it came on a bit too late. Like this movie probably would have been fucking awesome back in the nineties on Cinemax at twelve thirty in the morning. Like, oh fuck, this is so cool. But you know, it it was great to see Joe Lynch kind of do that Lovecraftian horror because he has been known for action movies of late. Um, you know, Wrong Turn Two was his kind of start into you know being a director, but. You know, it had all the right beats, and, and, you know, Heather Graham, I just completely kind of forgot about, like you guys had said, where I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, she's an actress. For sure. I kind of forgot. You're going to fuck? You know? I'm going to fuck? It's my big dick, Jack. It's 
my big dick. <laughs> and yeah, like even that scene when the she when she gets seduced by uh, Asa in that scene when he's Ephraim, but he's seducing her as Asa, you know, and they get that fucky fucky going on, you know, and she's like, oh, I'm gonna come, I'm like, all right, well, that's an improvised line, I like it, I'm here for it, I'm right back at Boogie Nights. <laughs> She's fucking bucking on him, man. She's riding away. She was using all them boogie night fucking roller girl skills, man. You could tell. Oh, you could tell. Yeah. She she watched some porn to get into that roller girl fucking that role, and uh, she she's definitely utilizing it here. Uh, absolutely. Now, like you I know, said, and, and if you remember, although she didn't stick with it, if you remember towards the end of of Boogie Nights, like Roller Girl does attempt to go back to school, and although she didn't stick with it. Because, you know, and, and maybe she did, but she's, you know, skating around well, no, the kids, at the end of the movie. The kids start but, like, if she did ultimately... She her blowjob mouth and she leaves. No, that was early. That was early. Later on in the film, they show her, like, kind of sitting in the classroom, like, looking longingly oh. out the window, like, towards the end. Not not yes. that early part, because that's the kid that gets her in the limousine later. But, uh, yes, yes, you you're right. I'm sorry, you're showing right. everyone has kind of gotten their shit together. But I, was, I had this thought, I'm like, hmm, like... Roller girl like stuck with school and became like a counselor like and moved beyond porn. I was like, oh, like this is like the like roller girl like the roller girl future roller girl spinoff movie. I just had that thought. I'm not saying that that's what it is. If I and if I think I I remember right, because I go because I I typically put that on and I go to sleep to it now. Um, If I remember right, when we see that end sequence. She is. He asks her to move the garbage from one side of her room to the other. If you look on mm-hmm. her desk, I think she's got school books. I think she is actually working on her school as well. I think like it's in the scene. I think you do see that. Uh, I, love, I love that movie. <laughs> so fucking good. We talk about it enough, but yeah, no, it was it was great to kind of see her back, um, you know, in this movie and kind of. Embracing the, the sexual side of herself. In a whore. You know, I just was kind of hoping for more of Barbara Crampton being a little bit sexual. And she looks fucking great. Oh, she's the, the old, same. Oh, man. Oh, God. She's, she's, that one moment she's, she's up there. She's up there. I don't know, man. Like, they had that moment in the cell where Elizabeth was, like, touching on her pussy and stuff. I was like, oh, fucking make it happen. Just fucking just like, making out. <laughs> I'd be so happy right now, but it didn't quite happen. See, because... So see again, like for me, like it's one of those weird things because, like you know, I know like probably your parents are like older than her character now, right? So like my my mom is like younger yeah. still than her character, like than, than the actress is currently. Like that actress to me is like grandma age, not like hot older mom really? age, like, at all. Like, nah. I, she was I don't hot know. Like, back I... in the day, dude. Reanimator days? Like, yeah, you know what? She was good looking. We saw her titties plenty. It was good. Yeah, uh, I, was see, I... That. I was just saying that she looked good for her age in this. She's 65, you know? That's so fantastic. Yeah. I, honestly, I think that she aged better. Like, you know, because I, I saw her in Reanimator... And from beyond back in the day when I was younger, and I'm like, ah, I don't really see it that much. But when she got older, I'm like, oh, shit. Like, you know, she looks better you're, now that she's well, older. You're a granny banger. Really... You're a granny banger. You like I am. Born. I do like him older. I do like him older. I can't lie. But, you know, I just I, I just felt like she got hotter, you know, as she got older. 
a lot of these actresses, but, um, you know, and seeing her in this movie, I'm like, oh, there's going to be one more moment. She might pop a tit out, but I'm like, no, she's probably not like that anymore. Like, probably like that D. Wallace era where D. Wallace is like everybody's, you know, mom. You know, she, she's not showing anything. <laughs> you know, that's what happened, you know, but came close because I, I do think that she looks great, you know, for her age. I mean, my mom's in her 70s, and I was like, you know, so much older than Barbara Crampton. But, you know, still was kind of hoping for that because it was it was playing with it. I kind of wanted her to play with uh, Eddie a little bit more towards the end. You know, she does give him a little kiss on the cheek, but I'm like, oh, maybe she should be like, hey, why don't you come over sometime? But that didn't happen either. But I think Eddie's just, like, shocked. He's like, I just came for the first time ever. <laughs> now I'm never going to have that again because she's locked up. You know, she did the things she did. It's like the wonders. But... Um, still an enjoyable movie. It's on Shudder if you guys want to check it out. Uh, so next week, the, the film pick comes to me. Um, and since this year, I am turning 40. So a big fucking milestone for me. I didn't wow, think I was ever going to really see man? 40, to be honest. I know. I know, right? Like, I'm going to be 40? Like, I never thought I would see 40. You know, I just live that hard fucking lifestyle you know, for a while. I was like, it's probably never going to happen, but I am turning 40 uh, this May. So a couple of my picks uh, are going to be from the year 1984, uh, the year of my birth. So I am going to pick 1984's Splatter University, directed by Richard W. Haynes. Uh, it's available on uh, Plex. It's also available on Streambox. Since I know you boys have that, Ghoul and Dean, uh, so we're going to go back to nineteen. We're going to go back to nineteen eighty four and talk about Splatter University. Um, but where else it's is just it available? A, uh, Plex. I'm pulling it right now. Uh, it's available on Plex. Uh, it is available as an Amazon rental for a dollar ninety nine. So yeah, Plex it's available for free. for free on Plex. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, it's still available, you know, and I'm sure if you probably pulled up YouTube and just typed in Spider University in 84, it'll show up. But I, I want to talk about somebody explode. Oh, God. What's happening? Somebody just died. There, Steve, there goes the storm. Like, your house apart? No, I'm fine. Why? What's yep. that? Oh, uh, something's going on with your sound at the moment. Oh, no. Are you standing out in the storm? No, I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> we we believe you. Me. Yeah, I was going to say we believe you. It's, it's, it's hard over there, but yeah. So, and and yeah. The, the, the school right. is right. Uh, Splatter University is also uh, in full in HD on available to watch on YouTube. So, well, yeah, there you go. Kidding. Thank you. The, kidding. I apologize. So, we, we will talk about it uh, next week on the show. My pick of the week is Splatter University from 1984. The year I fucking busted out of my mom's vagina and said I fucking hate life. So, we will talk about that later on. Uh, Alright, uh, so do you want to go ahead and sign yourself off? Splatter University. We'll get educated. The year of the, 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 the king's birth. 
I can't wait. It's going to be so exciting. Cool. Why don't you go ahead and send stuff off? Stay scared, everybody. Stay scared. That's enough. Uh, you know. Until next we meet. It's all about the suitable flesh. As always, I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the show where we talked about the Demonic Dean's film pick of the week, Suitable Flesh. Hell yourselves. Hail Satan. Hail Odorous. Watch horror movies. Keep America strong. And we'll see you back here next week for 1984's Splatter University. Yay. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VDW Group, no purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.